Uh, good morning, everybody. Good morning. Hey, if we, um, if we haven't yet met, my name is, is Matt. I am uh, someone who leads one of the life groups here at Grace City, just the small groups that we have in various places around the city. Uh, and I'm also part of the teaching team, and we are in the book of Mark. So if you do have a Bible, please open to the, the book of Mark. We are now in chapter uh, 7. And uh, yeah, we're just going to launch into it this morning. So if you don't have a Bible, it's okay. It's already on the screen behind me. So let's read. And he called the people to him again and said to them, Hear me, all of you, and understand. There is nothing outside a person that by going into him can defile him. But the things that come out of a person are what defile him. And when he had entered the house and left the, his, left the people, his disciples asked him about the parable. And he said to them, then are you also without understanding? Do you not see that whatever goes into a person from outside cannot defile him, since it enters not his heart, but his stomach and is expelled? Thus he declared all foods clean. And he said, what comes out of a person is what defiles him. For from within, out of the heart of man, come evil thoughts, sexual immorality, theft, murder, adultery, coveting, wickedness, deceit, sensuality, envy, slander, pride, foolishness. All these evil things come from within and they defile a person. And from there he arose and went away to the region of Tyre and Sidon. And he entered a house and did not want anyone to know, yet he could not be hidden. But immediately, a woman whose little daughter had an unclean spirit heard of him and came and fell down at his feet. Now the woman was a Gentile, a Syrophoenician by birth, and she begged him to cast the demon out of her daughter. And he said to her, let the children be fed first, for it is not right to take the children's bread and throw it to the dogs. But she answered him, yes, Lord, yet even the dogs under the table eat the children's crumbs." And he said to her, for this statement, you may go your way. The demon has left your daughter. And she went home and found the child lying in bed and the demon gone. And he returned from the region of Tyra and went through Sidon to the Sea of Galilee in the region of the Decapolis. And they brought to him a man who was deaf and had a speech impediment. And they begged him to lay his hand on him. And taking him aside from the crowd privately, he put his fingers into his ears, and after spitting, touched his tongue, and looking up to heaven, he sighed and said to him, Ephrathah, that is, be opened. And his ears were opened, his tongue was released, and he spoke plainly. And Jesus charged them to tell no one. But the more he charged them, the more zealously they proclaimed it. And they were astonished beyond measure, saying, he has done all things well. He may even makes the deaf hear. And the mute speak. So those are a few stories that we've read this morning, and we're going we're gonna to see how those stories fit together in a moment. But let's take the first one because it's the first one. Seems right. Um, so this first one, we find Jesus. He's in this debate about food, about what foods. Are, if you eat them, God will reject you for them, and if you these other foods, if you eat them, oh, they're, they're clean. So there's this debate going on, and really we've got to see that this is a continuation of what Rich was talking about last week, if you were around, where essentially what had happened is these super uh, religious, uber-religious Pharisees had come all the way down from Jerusalem. You know, the brightest and the best, the, the theological heavyweights. They'd come all the way from Jerusalem to see what the fuss was about with this Jesus. And, and they, they started to try and set Jesus straight on a few things that 
uh, he, the, these Pharisees thought that Jesus and his disciples were, were doing wrong. These things that, you know, they're not obeying the law of the Bible is what they thought. And, and really what we see here is that kind of debate overflowing into what we read here about food. And I don't know, for some of us it might be a very strange it's kind of debate to have. Why, why would anyone care uh, what foods are clean before God? But actually I would say that in modern day life... Loads of people, loads of people uh, care very deeply about what they eat and what they don't eat, what is good for them and what, what isn't. And just to make my point, I want to introduce you, take this opportunity to introduce you to a, uh, a, new, a newspaper that we have in England, um, unfortunately, called uh, the Daily Mail. I don't know if you've come across the <laughs> Daily Mail. There's some people laughing, some people don't know. Let me introduce you to the Daily Mail because the Daily Mail, on the face of it, if you ever come across it, may look like it is a news organization. It is not. The Daily Mail's main mission is to categorize everything in the known universe into two categories, things that cause cancer and things that cure cancer. Everything in the known universe falls into one of those two categories. And this, by the way, is a very serious... I mean, this is a cancer. Like, it's a thing that everyone in the room will have been impacted by. I'm sure the Daily Mail don't use it to sell newspapers. Let me show you some headlines from the, the Daily Mail, just to, about what food... Um, okay, milk. Milk. Milk is linked to cancer. Anyone have milk this morning? Goodbye. That's it for you. Because milk linked to cancer. But don't worry, the Daily Mail says, because all you have to do is drink some milk, because milk cuts the risk of heart disease and cancer. That's... Um, uh, contradictory. Thank you very much. Uh, so milk is bad for you as well as being good for you. Good. What, what about maybe just to be safe, we should drink our coffee black, just to be safe. Well, um, three cups of coffee a day can cut the risk of ovarian cancer. Wonderful. That woman looks very happy about that. Thank, thank you, Jasmine, for serving us coffee. It's just so kind, so good. To, you're effectively a doctor at this point. Uh, unfortunately, um, coffee may raise uh, child cancer risk. Jasmine! Killing our children with, with can't, oh, okay, but okay. So we can't have milk, can't have coffee. Um, what about a fry up? What about an English breakfast? Um, uh, could a fry up help you fight cancer? This article says yes. A fry up. You just fry some eggs and that's fine. Unfortunately, um, frying can increase cancer risk. Thank you. This is very confusing. That's breakfast gone. What about, do we, do we still have beer? I mean, I don't know, a breakfast beer maybe? Do we, still have, do we still have that? Having a pint could protect against cancer. Yes. Unfortunately, of course, three drinks a day uh, raises uh, breast cancer risk by 30%. This is all very confusing. Thank you very much, Daily Mail. Everything in the world is both curing us and killing us at the very same time. Uh, see, we care very deeply what we put into our bodies. We care very, it sells newspapers. That's what it does. Um, on the other hand, what we've read this morning, Jesus doesn't. Jesus doesn't care about that. Not, not really. Je- Jesus responds to this controversy of what foods are clean and what foods will make God reject you by saying, actually, you know what? There's nothing that if you put it into your body will make you spiritually sick. Jesus effectively says, okay, you're looking for the source of evil, but you're looking in the wrong place. 
evil doesn't enter your life from the outside. It's not as if you were once this perfect, white, clean canvas, spotless, and then, oh no, the nasty outside world got in and spoiled you and defiled you, and, and now you're unclean. That's not, no, 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 that's not what Jesus says is the case at all. Jesus says, what comes out of a person is what defiles him. For from within, out of the heart of man, come evil thoughts, sexual immorality, theft, murder, adultery, coveting, wickedness, deceit, sensuality, envy, slander, pride, foolishness. All these evil things come from within and they defile a person. He says that what it is that defiles a person, what makes them spiritually unclean, is actually what is already present within. That's what Jesus says, you know, and he, he rattles off this long list, not a comprehensive list, but it seems pretty comprehensive. There's a lot there, and you know that list, by the way? Not one of us look, looks good when we, when we come to that list. None of us goes, yep, I think I passed the test here. I mean, Jesus, he says all the, the big things, like the big overt obvious, you know, murder and theft, obvious things. But then he also goes to the things that no one ever sees. He goes to evil thoughts. Envy, pride, listen, none of us pass this test, do we? I know I don't. I know I don't pass this test. (laughs) A few, uh, uh, a couple of months ago, I had a a conversation. um, My friend Holly, um, who was one of the worship leaders here and is sat uh, in the front row. I'll just point her out. Okay, so I wasn't going to, but you were, yeah, I just did it. Anyway, um, so Holly just came up to me on this one occasion and says, and just said this to me, Matt... I think you could make a really good drug dealer. <laughs> I know what you're thinking. You're thinking, okay, Matt, yeah, take, take someone out of context. What was, the, what was the context? What was the conversation? There was none. <laughs> she just walked up to me and said, Matt, you'd make a very good drug dealer. And, I'm just, oh. and the worst thing is I can't even say, oh, Holly doesn't know anything about that at all because... In her last job back in England, she worked very closely with these sorts of people. And... So, but you know what? What is what's happening there? What has Holly seen? What Holly, Holly has seen um, that actually I have the capacity in and of myself to be incredibly deceitful. She's seen that I, if I really wanted to, I could be very deceitful. I could scheme and plot in a very selfish way to manipulate people. I could do that incredibly well. And you know what? I think she is absolutely right. I have. I see that in me. I see that. Hey, I'm just being. Honest, I, I, don't, I don't need some outside influence to come in and spoil me. This stuff just comes out naturally in me. Maybe you can see that in some of your own lives. Maybe not. I don't know. There's something within us, though, that is just not okay. It's just something that is not all right. You know, I think to myself often, you know, if God had not saved me at a, at a young age... Where would I be now? What would I... If God hadn't got a hold of me and, and saved me, then I, who knows where I could be? Who knows where I could be? There is something not right within us. You know, back in England, um, I had this friend called Luke. And Luke and I uh, were very different. We were very, very different. I mean, we would often have this conversation where we'd, one of us would say to the other, um, you know what, if we weren't Christians we would have nothing to do with one another. We were just, Luke and I were so different. I mean, one of us, one of us was kind of this big ex-British Navy motocross riding tough rugby player, and the other uh, was my friend Luke. (laughs) 
Some of you laughed a bit too hard at that. That's, that's right. And I'm, Luke and I were so different. And I remember we, we led this life group together. And there was one evening where, I mean, Luke had just this, a real way with words at sometimes. And he was trying to articulate what I'm talking about here, that there is something within us that is broken and is fractured. And there's just something deep down that is not right. And he, I remember the life group, he just looked around us all very seriously and said, we're all wrong-uns, aren't we? We're all wrong-uns. We're wrong-uns. And you know what? I th- yes, that, that for some reason has stuck with me because there is something within me that is wrong and something within you that is just wrong. This is the state that we are born into. And what a state it is. It's just a natural state. It's not as if, I mean, some of us can think, oh, yes, no, what is natural is really good. What is natural? No, I, I do all of the things that Jesus lists here quite naturally. I don't have to put a lot of effort into it. It's just the way that we are. You know, this, this concept that there is something fundamentally broken within us as, as, as humans is not, honestly, it's not a very popular idea in Canada, Right? Do you want a foreigner's observation? No. Ne- never. Rarely. No. Oh, here's one anyway. Here's a foreigner's... You know, um, it seems to me like Canadians like to be... love to be seen as very nice people. Very nice people indeed. You know, I have had this conversation literally... And I mean literally, literally, not literally, figuratively. I've had this conversation literally dozens of times since coming to Canada. Or people going, oh, you've moved from England to Canada. How do you like Canadians? We're so nice, aren't we? We're so friendly, so easygoing, so polite. That's not like those Americans south of the border. So loud, so obnoxious. But we're not like us Canadians. We're so nice, so polite. So it seems to me that a big part of what it is to be a Canadian um, is really that fundamentally you're good people. Not like those other people who aren't. But the way Jesus paints the world, he doesn't paint it like there are those good people and then there are those other people who need a jolly good saving by Jesus. That's not how Jesus sees the world. No, 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 no. It doesn't matter who you are. Even if, you're the ni- even if you are the nicest, friendliest, most polite Canadian that has ever been, we still need Jesus to save us from the deep problem that's within Because we can't cleanse ourselves. We can't fix the problem, no matter how hard we try. Oh, and we do try. Oh, we do try. I think all of us, you know what? We read the story of these super religious Pharisees doing their their cleansing rituals and making sure they eat one food and not the other. And, you know, we can sometimes think, oh, yes, no, it's them. They're, They're the ones who are trying to sort the problem out in an external manner. No, no, no. I think we all have. We all have this ability. We all have the tendency to go and try and fix the problem in a manner that is outside in. Let me give you, I can give you a dozen examples off the top of my head. Let me just give you a few, okay? Politics. This is what we do with politics. We just think if we can get the right person up on the hill, the right party, the right policies, if we can just get the, whether, the right person there, that will fix the, the problem. But conservative, liberal, uh, capitalist, socialist, doesn't... Whatever the state of things, the the human heart rears its ugly head. We see that again and again. And it's, it's again, it's an outside in. Or we do it individually, right? We do it in terms of our appearance. We get the right 
the right outfit, the right skin, the right hair, or we, we just get the, the, just the right social media appearance, you know, get the optics just okay to make it look like our, our lives are bright and beautiful and like we have a wonderful time, or just get the appearance right. This, but it's superficial. We, we're, trying, we're trying to address a problem. We, we feel the need to do this, but it's, again, it's outside in. Well, here's one. Maybe a bit closer to home for some of us. We do this with religion. We just do, if, we, if I do religion, if I do prayer, and I do Bible, and I do fasting, and I do church, and I do life group, and I do social justice, if I, if I do enough of that, then, then God has to come in because then I will be clean. But the doing of things, is, again, it's just outside in. As if we'll be clean. We put, so much, we put so much effort, don't we, into the external stuff. It shows that we do believe, oh, yes, there is a problem here. Something's wrong. You know what? We, we might not use the language of oh, uncleanliness or uncleanness, but nonetheless, we sense that something is broken. And Je- Jesus says this, this external effort, it doesn't... I mean, he even says, like, you get food and you put it in your mouth and it goes to the stomach and then it leaves the body. It doesn't touch the heart. All this external stuff, it it doesn't touch the soul. It doesn't get to the root cause of the problem. We try so many things. It doesn't go deep enough. And listen, if you're here this morning and you're not a follower of Jesus, what you're hearing is two very painful truths about the human condition, about your human condition. One, you have a deep heart problem. And two, you can't fix it. You can't do anything about it. You cannot redeem yourself. You can't get to where the problem is. You just can't get deep enough. In fact, the only way you could be redeemed is if someone comes in and does something so deep and changes who you fundamentally are as if, I don't know, you were born again. That's the only way you can be redeemed. See, these uber-religious, ultra-religious types. They've come all the way down from Jerusalem to see Jesus, to see what all the fuss is about, and they get so close. Oh, man, it breaks my heart. They get so close to Jesus, and they miss him. They miss out. They reject him. So who is it in the stories we've read who comes to Jesus and doesn't reject him? Who is it that comes to Jesus and actually receives something from him? Let's read that second story again and just work our way through it. Now, the woman was a Gentile, a Syrophoenician by birth, and she begged him to cast the demon out of her daughter. Okay, so already this is a a scandalous cultural moment because firstly, the rabbi, the teacher, he's come to the house to rest. The woman shouldn't be there. The woman is not allowed to come in what else? She's a Gentile. She's not Jewish, okay? So if you know anything about the, um, uh, the story of God's redemptive plan in history, it's this, right? That God chooses a man, Abraham, and says to Abraham, one day I'm going to bless all the nations of the world. All the nations will be blessed by you. Uh, even the most friendly, politest Canadian nations will end up being blessed by you. I, through your family, through Abraham's children, is going to come the seed of that, that bursts forth with redemption, new life. That's, that's the promise given to Abraham. So the people of the, the Israelites are the, the, are the people through which they're carrying that promise. And so they are the, they're the important ones, right? They think, okay, we're the people that God is going to work through. And this woman is not that. 
She's, she's not, God is not her God. She's effectively a a pagan. She's probably worshipping other gods. She's a sinner. She knows she's not clean. She has that awareness she's not clean. And you know what? People probably view her not just as a sinner, but doubly as a sinner. Because her her daughter has a a demon. And so therefore, oh, she must have done something really wrong. She must really be a sinner. So this person should not come to Jesus. And yet, Jesus doesn't kick her out doesn't cast her out no instead he says this he says let the children be fed first for it is not right to take the children's bread and throw it to the dogs now jesus he says this knowing that just a few verses earlier the children have rejected him said no 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 i don't know i don't want anything to do with this jesus the children don't know their father Surely the ones who should receive the blessings of Jesus, the blessings of the Messiah, the one who's come to bring new life, surely it's the ones who've put the most effort in, worked their hands to the bone, sweat, blood, tears, just put it all in to, to make themselves clean before God, all that effort, all the, the brightest and the best. It should be them, right? It should be the Pharisees who, who receive the blessings from Jesus, and yet it's not the case. The children don't know who the Father is. But she answered him, yes, Lord, yet even the dogs under the table eat the children's crumbs. Oh, goodness. <laughs> In our day and age, we have a problem with this, right? We, we just want to take that woman, get her up, go, no, what you, self-realization, self-confidence, self-esteem, self-actualization. Come on, just a little bit of... She, re- she knows that herself is just not enough right now. The woman comes in. She she doesn't come in and say, Oi, Jesus, come on, heal my daughter. I deserve this. No, she she knows she can't come and demand anything from this Jesus, as if she deserved it. She knows that she's unclean. She knows that she's broken inside. Instead, she comes in, throws herself on his mercy, hoping for crumbs. And he said to her, For this statement you may go your way. The demon has left your daughter. See, Jesus responds to this faith. Faith in his goodness. And so she receives something from Jesus. The the really religious Pharisees reject Jesus, content to only be, I'm going to work outside in. That's how I'm going to sort the problem out. And they leave empty-handed. But here's this undeserving woman being greatly blessed by him. Friends, this is... This is the only way you can receive something from Jesus. It's the only way. Listen, if you've come in this morning thinking, no, you know what? The outside in approach is the way I want to go. Thank you very much. I want to clean myself up. I'm a good person. If that's you, why are you here? I mean, Jesus has nothing, literally nothing to offer you. Jesus is a savior. He has come to save. And if you're saying, no, I don't want that saving, then he can literally do nothing for you. Anyone, anyone who comes to Jesus and gets blessed, receives something, receives spiritual, a, a cure for the spiritual sickness, they, they have, we must admit spiritual bankruptcy, essentially, and say, I've got nothing, Jesus. I need you to come in and do something here to realize the scale, the depth of the need that we have. And if you do that, you come to Jesus with that. Here's what Jesus does. Jesus makes you new. 
such that beforehand you might have thought, quite rightly, before God, I'm nothing, I don't deserve anything, I'm nothing but a dog. But then you come to Jesus and he accepts you and he makes you new. He puts a new heart within you. He, you become born again. You become completely new. You, you, in fact, get adopted in. You're no longer just a, a dog. No, you are a son or a daughter of the Most High. What about all the uncleanliness, though? What happens to that? What about that evil that's within, the, the evil thoughts, the adultery, the envy, the pride, etc.? Well, Jesus comes in and he sorts the uncleanness out for you. Interestingly, we see how he does that when he talks about food. What is it he says? Thus he declared all foods clean. So firstly, this is what, what Jesus is not saying here is he's not saying, oh yes, do you remember the, um, you remember the Old Testament when, uh, when there were, you, know, you weren't meant to eat any pigs and, or fish with scales and there were those laws? Actually, you know what? Not, not so sure. No, Jesus is not coming here and contradicting himself. No, no, no. The, what's the key word here? Declared. Jesus declared all foods clean. He proclaims all foods clean. And in doing so, he makes all foods clean. And listen, if you come to Jesus, the same proclamation, the same declaration is made over you. You are now clean. He makes you clean. How is, how is that possible? This is a, a verse from the last story we read. And they were astonished beyond measure, saying, He has done all things well. He even makes the deaf hear and the mute speak. See, after the meeting with the woman and casting out the demon from the, the daughter, Jesus goes on healing. He goes on casting out demons. And everyone watching says, He has done all things well. He's done all things well. Listen, if, if you could go back and look at every single second of Jesus' life, if you could see everything he, has, he, he ever said, everything he ever did, if even you could get inside his mind and, and, and read every thought he had ever, for every, and just inspected every single moment of Jesus' life, you would be forced to conclude the same, that Jesus has done all things well. You wouldn't be able to fault him. You wouldn't be able to find any uncleanness in him. And yet this is the gospel. This is what the Christian believes is that the, the perfect one dies, is executed on a cross. His perfect blood, the one, the one who hangs on the cross is the one that has no uncleanliness. None of the, the list of things that Jesus goes through. You, can, you can't find that in his life. Yet it's him. The biggest injustice ever done is that that man dies. And he dies on the cross in order to save people like me and people like you. The only way you can be accepted before God is not by any outside in, external work. Oh no, forget it. Forget that. You can't do that. It's only if you come to Jesus and he proclaims you clean. If by his death and his resurrection, if he makes you new, if he puts his Holy Spirit in you, if he seals you as his own, it's the only way you can come to Jesus. Christians, you must know this. If you are a believer in the room, you are his. You are his. You are clean because of him. Because of him. Every day we must remind ourselves of this truth, that we don't wake up going, okay, I've got to put the effort in. I've got to white-knuckle it and, and make myself clean, make myself acceptable before God. I don't know. You know, maybe there's someone here 
this morning, you, you went to pray this morning and you just felt, I can't do it. I, I can't come before this God because I know who I am. I want you to look away from yourself and I want you to look at Jesus, to the one who has died for you. We're going to stand and we're going to worship. We're going to sing and celebrate the King who has given it all, done all of this for us. And we're going to do that with singing. We're going to do that by taking the, the bread and the wine uh, in a second. So would you, would you stand with me? I'm just going to pray. Father, thank you that we, because of your son Jesus, can be children who know their father. Lord, I just thank you that that's what you've done with me. Someone who is, who, there's just, oh, once upon a time I was a wrong'un. I was unclean. I was broken. There was just something inside of me that was just not right. Who actually, something inside of me that wanted nothing to do with you at all. And yet you came. And just like that, that man who could not speak and you said, be opened. You said to me, you said to my heart, be opened. Eyes of the heart, be opened to the, to the, to the Savior. Father, I pray for anyone in this room who does not know you, who hasn't seen you like that before. Holy Spirit, would you just open the eyes of their heart? They would know, just know without, without doubt that, wow, this is, this is real. Lord Jesus, you, you have died for me. And Lord, they would know that they can come and accept you. They can come and be accepted by you. Lord, we thank you. We praise you because of the blood that was shed. You're so good to us. Amen.